0: Is The Talking Dead,
1: a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show The Walking Dead.
0: Hey, everyone, my name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 562, recorded Monday, November the 29th, 2021. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to the program. Hello, Jason, welcome to the program.
1: Hello, Chris, welcome to the program to you.
0: Welcome to all to the program. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is once again, time for the podcast. I feel a little out of sorts though, because I have different headphones on and everything sounds different in my ears than normally. And it's throwing me off a little bit. Oh, the world has ended.
2: Different
0: headphones? You know, you get used to one thing and you do that thing week after week for, I don't know. It's been probably five years since I've used these headphones. I've owned them for longer. Uh, but now here I am using them
1: again, and I'm all confused. It's all different than usual. I've had these headphones. I bought these brand new when I was take, bringing them to your house to uh, record when we used to do this. <laughs> Remember, we did this in person. Yeah, those were the good yeah. old days, man. The good old days. Yeah, I've had these since then. So yeah, I know what you mean. And I wear them every day and pretty much all day, every day. Yeah.
0: I, that's true. I wear headphones a lot, all day, every day. A lot of calls for the day job, you know, constantly. Yep. So always have the headphones on. And I switched them out because I needed the other headphones for another purpose. And uh, it just worked out that way. And here I am with the old ones again. So they're not bad. They're just different. And I'm not used to them. Yeah, that,
1: yeah, different is bad. Okay. <laughs> You're old enough where you can say different is bad. All right. Well, at least when it
0: comes to headphones. Yeah. All righty. Well, I also wanted to say happy late Thanksgiving to all the Americans who are listening. We sort of recorded around U.S. Thanksgiving before and after, so I thought I'd wait until after. Hope everyone had a good long weekend Thanksgiving holiday down there.
1: I hope so, too. I think uh, that would be nice if everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It would be nice if everyone had a good time. Nobody had an argument. Nobody talked about politics or religion or money. Because those are the top three, uh, or, you know, expectations of, anyway, I won't get into all the problems with, uh, sitting around a table with your family for hours on end because, uh, there's probably very, very many, uh, individual issues. I heard, I heard one time, maybe from you that people stress
0: out more about talking in public or, or talking about certain subjects than death.
1: The fear, it's second only to the fear of death oh, is uh, okay. is speaking in public. Wow. So maybe not as much as death, but uh, yeah, people do not like speaking in public. Right, right. Well, I can see why. It's a little bit scary. I've never really had a problem with it. No. I, I mean, I, I, I've never really had a, I, you know, I've been nervous. The most nervous I've ever been in my whole life was uh, performing in a pipe band in front of friends and family. And that was it. Oh, okay. I've been in a crowd. uh, I've been performed in front of a crowd of uh, thousands and not had an issue, but you put uh, 150 of uh, the pipe band's friends and family in an audience and everybody was freaking the fuck out. Well, you know, you've performed for the queen, but performing for your mom is a bigger deal. I don't know if I've ever performed for the queen.
0: Ah, I just figured if there was a group, uh, if it was a pipe band, first of all, and there was a group that big, I figured the queen had to be there.
1: Uh no, it wasn't uh, oh. it wasn't the queen. That was uh that was a, a performance in China and I don't think the queen was there. <laughs> okay, maybe not. All right. Well, happy Thanksgiving everyone who
0: celebrated it this weekend. Uh yeah. Hope you had a good time. Mm-hmm. So, Jason, we are here to talk about Walking Dead World Beyond, season 2 episode 9 and Fear the Walking Dead, uh season 7 episode 6. Right? Or seven. Sure. No, I think I it was know. seven. It was seven. I'm I, I I got the I got the number wrong. Uh I'm gonna leave it up to you this week. I didn't make a plan. So which one do you want to do first? Well,
1: uh so I got mad at World Beyond because I watched Fear the Walking Dead first. So I did it in reverse order uh this time. Uh-huh. So why don't we do it in reverse order? I don't remember the order from last time. So let's talk about fear first. Let's
0: talk about fear first. Okay. I'm going to scroll down my notes here and talk about fear. So Fear the Walking Dead, this episode is called The Portrait and it aired on November 28th. And I am going to start here with a couple of calls from listeners just to set the mood, I'd say. And the first one comes from Dan.
2: Oh, hello, it's Danny. I um, had a week's holiday, so it was a bit late listening to the podcast. Uh, just you review of Fear, how funny it is you hated it. And obviously, I'm an episode ahead of Fear, and I'm thinking, oh my God, have you hated that one? What about the next one? Should we just call it the Strand episode? Where is he? oh, is he good? Is he bad? Is he good? You know I've said before, if they keep him bad, it's fine. It's if they turn him back good. And now we're left in limbo and you know he's gonna... Oh, they're back to in limbo again. Oh, I, I, I will always I, I'm one of those glutton for punishment. I'll see a show out to the end. To the bitter end. But my God, they're testing me. <laughs> my God, they're testing me. They're testing me so much. Sorry about that, popular man. Oh, catch it guys. Still love your show.
0: All right, thanks, Dan. I just loved how that email went. Oh, uh, and then his phone, phone rings at the end. He's a popular yeah. guy, yeah. Uh, okay, so if he said we hated, if we hated last week, wait till we see this week. We'll get into it. Uh, let's play another call here from Owen.
3: All right, guys. It's Owen from Leeds in England here. Um, I've just watched episode uh, seven, I believe, of Fear, of The Walking Dead, The Portrait. I really enjoyed it. You know, don't get me wrong, you've got your plot holes here and there. But I thought, okay, you know, things are coming together now. Um, I like that we finally got, you know, we got the Alicia appearance. I wondered if we'd ever actually see her. We also saw Wendell. Um, I thought it was absolutely hilarious when um, Victor's wondering, you know, who screwed him over, who can't he trust, he goes, oh, yeah, because I sent Wendell's sister away. He's like, you did what? I laughed my ass off at that. I thought, that's great. That's just, just daft. But I liked it. Um, So, yeah, I've got no idea which way it's going to go for the next episode. I like the fact that it's going to be an Alicia episode. You know, we need that. Um, But, yeah, so after episode six, I was like, seen enough. Can't be bothered with it. After episode seven... Oh, yeah, it's all right, this show, isn't it? So who knows where we're going? Cheers, guys. Love your content you put out, and uh hope you stay well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Well, thank
0: you, Owen. So we've got Dan, Jason, who I think mm-hmm. it's safe to say really, really didn't like it. And then we have Owen. Apparently, all of our listeners are in England, too. So I don't know why hey, I bothered course. talking about uh, thanks, American Thanksgiving off the top. But uh, we've got Owen, who... Uh, kind of enjoyed this one, you know, just silliness or plot holes and all. And I think I personally fall kind of somewhere in between. Uh, and, and I can sort of explain why. But like, wh- where do you land on this scale of Dan to Owen?
1: Well, I also fall somewhere in between. So, on on the one hand, uh, Strand is being a little wishy washy, and I was I was kind of hoping he wouldn't be wishy washy. And on uh, and we have uh, Morgan being a poisoner which I didn't think Morgan would be a poisoner. Morgan and endangered a baby to do it. So, uh, but the baby was, you know, he can't fake an ear infection, right? So he didn't purposefully give that. Anyway, there's a whole thing there. But on the one hand, we have Morgan, which I wasn't too impressed with his actions and uh, and Strand being kind of wishy-washy. So that's on the, the kind of bad side. On the good side, there's a goddamn trebuchet in the, uh, in the episode. Yeah. So how can you fault anything that has an actual, look like a well-designed trebuchet. It looked like it was fully functional, properly designed and everything. Uh, so that was great. It was definitely functional. It was, it was
0: hurling zombies at the side of the tower. So yeah. big, big uh, counterweight basket full of rocks or something. And, and it was functional. It was working. So it was an impressive trebuchet. I will give you that. Um, otherwise, I think this episode, of course, it was really about Strand. It was the most we've seen of him in a little while. And like it starts, I don't know how I feel about this one because it kind of starts with this weird cold open where he's sitting there posing for this portrait, right? And it's a bit of a montage where Howard keeps bringing him the phone when people are arriving at the tower and calling him up. And he's constantly turning them away. People like a carpenter and a medic and a firefighter. And I thought this was... A little cartoony almost like i don't know if that's the right word but you know strand i'm feeling is definitely overall a little cartoonish now yeah uh-huh and i just felt this was a, a, a they were they were were they trying to go for sort of funny with this cold open or or what were they going for because i wasn't sure i was really buying into it i felt like it was just kind of strand being ridiculous in A
1: way he was kind of being ridiculous, and this uh, this kind of strand is getting into the realm of uh, you know, the typical bad guys that we see in this show and the you know, other Walking Dead shows where you have uh, the, the bad guy or bad person is a, a cult of personality, right? Yeah, uh, where everybody just kind of uh, you know, is beholden to that one individual, not the ideas of the individual, but the actual individual, and they think that they are doing this because of the ideas, but it's because of his personality that, uh, and the control he has over everybody that, uh, makes this what appears to be a success. And then when you sit down, when he sits for a portrait and is painting him and he, you know, goes on his, uh, his little diatribe about, I don't want you to paint what other people see of me. I want you to paint what I want other people to see of me. Right. And it's just like, okay, that probably means that this will not succeed and my life is on the line. As soon as you put pen to paper or brush stroke to paper, uh, you're fucked because there's no way uh, that you can succeed under those circumstances.
0: Yeah, as an artist, I guess you can't really paint what the subject wants you to see you paint what you see you're the artist right
1: that's right yeah. and you and it, and and art is kind of also an interaction between the artist and the uh the viewer of the art or the uh, the consumer of the art right it's uh you, you know you look at a painting you're not looking at exactly what the artist has intended you're bringing your own thoughts and emotions and in and experiences to that oh yeah so there's no the artist can't be completely responsible for it. So when you're trying to paint somebody and they have these expectations where they are going to bring their thoughts, their emotions, their experiences, and they're going to judge your painting and your life is on the line based on that judgment, you are fucked. Like there's no (laughs) way you can succeed in that.
0: No, no. So what do you think Strand, like is Strand becoming cartoonishly evil or, or is this like a really... Or or just cartoonishly silly. Like, I think the word cartoonish has to be in there somewhere. But, like, I'm not sure what they're going for with Strand at one moment from the episode to the next. Because he is doing crazy stuff like this. And then he's throwing people or throwing paintings off the roof. And, uh, like, I just don't know if... If they're if this is a purposeful depiction of really what they want to do with Strand, I mean, the writers and stuff like that, or maybe Coleman Domingo is just really doing wacky work with this bad writing that he's given and the dumb premise that everyone is within in this show now. Like, I'm not sure how I feel about it because I do I am kind of entertained, at least by this yeah. episode and and by what Coleman Domingo is doing. But I also just look at it and go, like, how does this like, how did we get here? You know what I mean? With, with this show and with, with these writers, because I don't know. I, I don't know how to process it in, in a lot of ways.
1: Well, and in, in you wonder, I also wonder, uh, is it the, what the writers, uh, are attempting or the showrunners are attempting and Coleman Domingo is what he's bringing to it? Or is it Strand that has, uh, you know, gone cartoony? Is it, you know, is it feasible that it's, it's the character that has kind of lost it and has adopted this cartoonish type persona and like... We've talked about theater, the use of theater in yeah. being uh, setting up a, a society in, in, in this universe. Uh, Strand has brought that sense of theater. Maybe it's Strand that's being cartoony uh, and the writer, well, obviously the writers are responsible for that and Coleman Domingo and the directors and the whole friggin' production team is responsible for that. But maybe we could give them the benefit of the doubt and say that it's Strand that's being cartoony and over the top rather than it
0: just being the production you know i guess what i'm saying is i don't know and i feel like that's a problem like i don't know do the writers know that strand is cartoonish at this point i don't know and like or and i don't know if that's what they're going for or not and i think that's what kind of bothers me is this just kind of an accident or is this the way he is purposeful uh because I don't know if cartoony is the right direction for this show or any you know show about the zombie apocalypse in the Walking Dead universe. So if that's what they're doing on purpose, I'm not sure I agree with it. But if if it's just kind of gotten away from them and they right you know and they can't go they can't go back now, uh, then <sighs> I don't know. I almost I almost think that's better <laughs> in a way. For some reason, it's like we've lost control of this, so we're just gonna we're just going to go even harder, you know? Yeah. And let's just just lean into it, lean into it. Exactly. You know, that's what happens sometimes when people
1: lose control of a situation and jump, jump the shark kind of thing where you lose control and you've, you've gone too far and, uh, you can't really, you've made too many changes, too many, you've gone in too weird a direction that the audience is not willing to follow you.
0: It's, it's like, we can't go back now, you know, we
1: it it just wouldn't work if we did that. So we're going to have to lean into this and keep going with this. It reminds me of, uh, an episode of the Simpsons that, uh, you know, way, 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 way back when that actually Conan O'Brien was one of the primary writers on the show at the time. Oh yeah. It was the one where Leonard Niboy, uh, uh guest starred. Uh, so it was way back when he was alive and it was the first, you know, it was Spock in the, uh, in the episode and it wasn't. It was Leonard Nimoy, but he was also Spock. And at the end of the episode, uh, Leonard Nimoy beamed out of the... Wherever he was, he actually beamed out. And I remember uh, hearing about the writers all sitting in the room going... Do we really want to go here? Because, you know, (laughs) The Simpsons is a wacky kind of show, but everything is kind of based in reality. And now we're having somebody that's not a flashback or a uh, uh, a Treehouse of Horrors kind of show. It's an actual canon episode where we have fucking magic happening, essentially. We have technology (laughs) that does not exist. Somebody is beaming out. Do we really want to go here? And they did. And then they leaned into it, and the show has just you know we've had non Treehouse of Horror episodes. I've heard, I've not seen them, where Homer actually goes with uh, Kodos and Kang and uh, is doing stuff with them, right? So they're oh. they're they're canon now. They're not just Treehouse of Horrors kind of episodes or characters. They're actually canon characters in the show. Wow. Well, so, I'm so far behind on Simpsons that yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I would never have known that. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing that happens in the writer's room, right? You, you know, you do something, you're just like, do we really want to go here? Because once we step over this line, we cannot step back. Yeah. So we really have to be sure that we want to step over this line. Right, right. Well, I, and I'm not sure. I don't know if they're
0: sure what they're, they know what they're doing here. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, as I said last week, they decided to go with the whole nuke plot. And I don't think they thought about the consequences of that. And now we're going with this version of Strand, and I'm not sure they're thinking about the consequences of that either.
1: Yeah. And, you know, they also went, there's a number of instances in this episode where, excuse me, they had, uh, you know, everybody's wearing masks because it's a nuclear fucking apocalypse. But if somebody says, uh, oh, the wind is blowing the right way so we can take our masks off, yeah. everything's fine. Like, you can't have a conversation with the mask on, so we always need an excuse to take the masks off yeah
0: and it's always the stupid wind or something like that and then yeah. there's that scene where they're they're on top of the tower and it's like you can see out into the distance and it looks like lush green beautiful wildlife it's like i didn't notice that i don't understand either they're in a nuclear apocalypse uh, apocalypse or not you know i don't know but that's why they live in this tower apparently because they have favorable favorable weather patterns remember
1: well, yeah, and I think you're right. I think that, uh, that having a bunch of nukes go off has kind of gotten away from them because, you know, once you go nuke, it's the nuclear option, right? And that usually means the last, topmost you cannot recover from yep. this situation. You go with the nuclear option. Like if you're pissed off with a cab driver and you just get out and leave the passenger door open. That's the nuclear option because (laughs) the fucking cab driver now has to get out of the cab, walk all the way around the car, close the door, walk all the way back, get in and drive away. Right. That cab driver is going to be one pissed off individual if you do that. That's the nuclear option for cabbies. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. And you can't go back. That cab driver might get out of the car and chase you. Like there's a very real chance that that guy will chase you for doing that. I've never done it. I've heard about it. But I've never done it, just to say. I mm. wanted to say that. But, when, you know, they call it the nuclear option for a reason. So they took the nuclear option in the show, and now what do you do? Like, and we're, we're a little too literal about it, yeah. Yeah, and uh, where, do you, where do you go from here? You go with cartoon bad guys that want a portrait painted of them.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, speaking of the rest of this episode, uh, I at first I was like, do I have a lot to say about this one? Because I must admit— I was a little indifferent towards it, right? I really disliked last week's, as everyone knows. Yeah. And then I got to this, I'm like, eh, I don't even, like, what am I going to even say? But I found it kind of boring, to be honest. And I'm like, is that worse than hating it? At least last week, it it, it invoked something in me. And this one, I'm just like, what's the point? Like, I, I thought the events of this episode... I, I was just like, what are we doing here? Why are we watching this? like are we supposed to are we supposed to be seeing how arrogant strand is or at other times he feels very insecure in his position of power and like what are we supposed to take away from that? Is this all about pitting Morgan against strand directly in this episode, which they haven't really done in the same room so much together? uh and then on the other hand, strand is second guessing himself a lot which lead which goes back to just sort of being insecure a little bit like he's second guessing himself about who the people he let in were that happens right at the end right when he's looking at yeah. the destroyed version of of the painting um and i'm like oh, i don't know i don't know it's it it's just another one of those things that feels like they're they're not even sure what strand is is supposed to be here you know and is is it making the character deeper by showing us all this stuff Or is that not a part of it at all? And I'm, I don't know. I I don't know what to think. So
1: yeah. And, and, you know, I've dated people like this before. Like I've dated a lot of different kinds of people, but, uh, this kind of person is, uh, you're trying to do something for them and you have no idea what the results are going to be. It could be, be fucking fantastic, or it could be a complete utter disaster and, uh, the whole, you know. The whole situation is going to break down into nothing like getting a, you know, giving a present, you know, Mm -hmm. that seems like a really nice thing. You go out, you buy a nice thing, you give that nice thing to someone and they appreciate it. But I've dated people where I bought a present and like, I'm going to give this person this present and it's either going to blow up in my face and the whole relationship's going to be over or she's going to fucking love it. And you don't know. You don't know because you cannot tell what they're going to do from one moment to the next and it's it's terrifying and the uh and this the, you know you seek approval so much of someone that is uh you know uh opinionated or uh, has random it seems like random opinions uh you know that kind of th- uh, seeking that kind of approval can be uh, very stressful <laughs> let yeah. me just tell you yeah i bet i bet so these people around strand he seems like uh he seems pretty random because he's trusting his instincts and I'm holding up air quotes, uh, which, uh, I rarely do, but he's trusting his instincts, which just means he's doing shit at random and everybody's just going to have to live with it because he's the leader and whatever decision he makes has to be the right one because he's the leader and he made that decision. Yeah. And that's where it gets into the typical territory of, uh, the walking dead bad guy, is uh, you know you make a decision and everything, every decision you make is obviously the right choice because they made it. And <laughs> how could they be fallible? So Strand feels, uh, you know, in, infallible. Is that the right word? Unfallible. Well, he, fallible. Yeah, he it, doesn't seem. He doesn't think he's fallible. And but his decisions decisions are random. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No. They. They. It seems like it. So the rest of this episode. I mean all of this is presented through these two well three really sort of main sort of plot lines one is that strand is poisoned by morgan right so morgan shows up claims that baby mo is sick and he needs help from june so strand eventually lets him in once morgan is in there he poisons strand and it takes a while for strand to figure that out the other main plot line is the stalkers who are outside at the call box and they're launching walkers at the tower with the trebuchet uh-huh. because they want in, they want to, they want uh, to take down the tower. And not only that, but they have filled up some of these walkers with the nuclear material from the unexploded warhead. And so now we have nuclear
1: zombies flying potentially at the tower. Nuclear zombie bombs. So we, uh, may, did you understand those? Did they make sense to you? Well, the
0: guy, Arno, I think he called himself, yeah. who who called, right? He said that everyone who's come into contact with this stuff is dead, including the people that made these nuclear zombies. So uh, my understanding was just, I don't know, they dug some stuff out of the nuke and put it in the zombie stomach. And now we have nuclear
1: zombie bombs. Okay. They didn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Uh. I wonder how far from reality we're straying here. And I think pretty fucking far. I'd think pretty far, yeah. Because what do you do you take a I, I just i imagine having a tom and jerry uh style giant friggin needle where uh you know it's it's probably four feet long and it has like a a curly thing on the end and you you stick the needle in the nuke and you suck up all the nuclear stuff and then you stick it in the zombies and then you and then you fill them up like a gas bag full of nuclear stuff because at the end <laughs> we see these zombies and they're friggin huge right yeah like they're 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 bloated and they look like they're uh, from a video game that has spore zombies. You shoot them and they spew spores all over the place. Yeah. Uh, It, it just, it uh, this was cartoony and it didn't make any sense to me. And I was hoping you could talk me off of this annoying ledge.
0: No, I don't think I can because I can't really think of any way to do this. I'm pretty th- sure there isn't just like a bunch of loose nuclear juice inside of a, of a warhead that you can suck out and put into a,
1: into something else. So I don't Uh know. That helps. Nuclear juice. As as long as you phrase it like that, that that helps me make sense of it. The nuke juice. You got to get the The, nuke
0: juice out of the warhead. Yeah. You got to squeeze it out. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. And then very, very carefully transfer it into the nuke juice injector. Which, yep. which goes uh-huh. into the zombies' uh, midsection and just yep. fills them out and bloats them all out. And as soon as it's in there, you got to let us let them sit for 20 minutes so you can make sure they're not yeah. just going to explode as soon as they move. Then you can load them in your trebuchet and fire them at a building.
1: Don't you need to bake them? Don't you need to bake them in the oven for like oh, half an hour? there's probably the baking step. I forgot about yeah. the baking step. The yeah. baking step, yeah. yeah. Uh, and so you get the, okay, so you get the nuke juice out of the nuke and you put it in the injector. Uh you don't need to blend it with anything like uh uh you some, know, apple juice or some something kind of like stabilizing that. agent like apple juice yeah <laughs> yeah okay so <laughs>
0: it makes it you taste mix better it right? apple juice. It goes down yeah.
1: a little easier with the apple juice right yeah 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 okay that makes sense all right so uh we have a recipe yes we're uh i'm i'm on board and good to go sarcastically
0: all right, all right. well that's what they've done um so they're outside doing that but really the third thing in this episode is the end like the final I wouldn't really call it the uh the the third act but it's 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 the end and we meet up with Alicia and we finally finally meet up with Alicia and we discover that she's not at Padre which we all thought I all thought I thought anyways it's like hey she must be at this place and safe and everyone's trying to get to her well no turns out that she is the leader of uh, this group of people (laughs) the the stalkers are a break-off group that were with her but they are not now she says they used to be my people and so they're bad alicia's people not so bad but they're running out of food they need help and she finally meets up with uh Morgan at the end after he's been cast out of the tower again. Yep. And then we get some of these nuke zombies walking up. Some guy shoots them. One of them explodes into a cloud of red, I guess, nuke dust, and they all have to run away from it screaming.
1: Yeah. Nuke alien spores. Nuke spores, right. Uh, I've decided. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. So this lasted a lot longer than I thought it was. I thought it was going to be like, uh, as soon as, uh, it was even before they said she, uh, you know, I want to go see the leader. Like, let's take it to the group. It's like, oh, okay, that's where Alicia is. I, like, So they, they telegraph that. Yeah. Uh, and then when they said she it was just like, okay, that's solid. And then for some reason, everybody takes off their masks because the wind is blowing okay. She's inside her tent. She, if, okay, so let me just take a look at her, uh, examine her motivations here. She's sitting inside her tent and she knows that uh, someone has come to see her. So somebody warns her that there's somebody come to see her. They may have told her that it was Morgan or not. I don't know if they told her it was Morgan, but at that point she decided, even though she was inside her tent and she knew that the, uh, uh that it was safe to walk around without a mask on, she still puts her mask on and all that regalia in order to make a dramatic entrance. Absolutely. Uh, so she puts on all that stuff because theater is important. We got to remember that theater is important in this universe. Mm-hmm. So she puts on her theater outfit so that she can have the big reveal to Morgan, who hasn't figured it out yet when it was so fucking obvious that, uh, uh, that you could drive a truck through the obviousness. That doesn't make any sense. It was very obvious. <laughs> so to me, was it obvious to you?
0: Oh yeah. I assumed, okay. like I figured it out pretty soon. Like, uh, I mean, figured it out once Once it was Dwight and Sherry who pick up Morgan, you know, and it wasn't some bad guys. I'm like, oh, well, it must be this must be Alicia coming out of this this tent. Right. So, yeah, I'm glad to see her again. I've always liked the character and I thought it was kind of a bummer that she's been off the show for it's been like nine or ten episodes now. Right. Because she went into that bunker last season and then we didn't see her before the end. Uh so I'm glad she's back. I'm a little bit surprised about her situation, but I, that's okay. Like I think that's actually a good thing that they sort of fooled me into believing she was in this safe location and everyone was just going to try to show up and meet her there. Instead, here she is and something's been going on. Uh there's some questions around how she got there, why she's in charge of this group. So I am kind of okay with that and I'm looking forward to finding out a little bit more about what's what's happened to her since the nukes went off um so yeah if if all of this was to lead up to the alicia return i mean i'm not gonna say any of it was good but i'm I'm happy she was i'm happy she's back you know and maybe she'll inject some something new and exciting into this final episode of the set coming up next week Mm-hmm.
1: And it lasted, like I was saying, it was uh, it lasted longer than I thought. I thought it was going to be the reveal and then the end of the episode. But then they had a conversation and mm-hmm. then they were attacked and then there was an explosion of uh, zombie spores and then the red zombie spores were uh, uh, moving in for an additional attack at that point.
0: Well, I mean, I thought the wind was blowing the right way, but suddenly it's blowing it right at them, you know?
1: <laughs> well, the wind blows one direction. Maybe that that's the direction that the nukes were uh, and it was blowing... No, I don't understand. Anyway, uh, I assumed that the zombie spore, uh, cloud is sentient. Oh, sure. Why (laughs) not? Because everything is sentient and was moving towards them, uh, much like the fog or the mist, the mist, uh, I don't think, uh, or maybe it's just the fog because the, the mist was just kind of there, but the fog kind of rolled in and attacked people.
0: Uh, Uh, yeah. Which one turned people inside out? That was the fog, right? That
1: was the fog. The mist just
0: held monsters. Yes, that's right. The mist had monsters. The fog turned you inside out. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, yeah. like I said, I'm glad to see her back and I'm hoping she can like bring this show back around at least a little bit. That would be nice. Um, but one one other thing I just wanted to say about theater and, and the stalkers. There's a scene uh, during the time when the stalker guy is on the phone with with Strand. There's a shot. Uh, Sort of an establishing shot just before we go to a commercial break on this one. That's a wide shot of the tower. And you can see the the um, the phone stand outside there. And there's two of these guys standing there. One of them, one of them is adorned with so much clothing and armor or whatever it is these people wear. It looked absolutely effing ridiculous. And it
1: reminds you what it reminded me of uh 14th century french uh women's outfits no no it was
0: far more ridiculous than that it reminded me (laughs) of when joey put on all of chandler's clothes on friends oh yeah 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 and he just looked like he was this huge like Uh, yeah enormous cloth clothing wearing guy and uh it it looks so stupid i took a screenshot of it i think i might tweeted out after this uh just to point it out to everyone because i couldn't get over it i couldn't get over it i, I rewound a couple times so i'm like look how dumb that looks like look how dumb that looks he's just overwhelmed with clothing he wouldn't be able to walk i
2: don't know and it,
1: and there's uh i saw a, i'm not sure if it was a youtube video or whether it was something but this this woman put on like 30 t-shirts uh, all at once yeah and and then she attempted to take the top t shirt off, but she couldn't move her arms enough to get the shirt off, <laughs> oh man, and she was obviously in in fucking panic mode and in some kind of physical distress, uh, so do not put on a whole bunch of clothes because you will freak out.
0: this guy's head looked like a tiny little pea sticking out of the top of this like like he was like just a massive amount of clothing. It's like imagine if a uh a five-year-old was inside the hulkbuster armor or yeah something like that i was gonna say imagine (laughs) if a five-year-old put on like the biggest pair of football shoulder pads you could find and then multiply by 10. (laughs) like that's that's what it looked like to me i i don't know i don't understand how they they go, yeah, that's normal. That's okay. You
1: know? Well, yeah. It's like, uh, uh, what's his name? Big Helmet from uh, Spaceballs? Dark Helmet. Yeah. Dark Helmet. Yeah. It's just this giant helmet.
0: Yeah. Uh, but in the, name, in the name of comedy, why not? I don't think they're going for comedy here. <laughs>
1: so, uh, No, I, I don't think so. You know, comedy is tragedy plus time, whereas uh, drama is comedy plus time. I guess. I might have to think about that,
0: but I take your word for it for now. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So uh, what about the elevator scene? So this is a scene where uh, the premise is that Morgan needs to get to the armory in the tower uh, because that's where they keep the walkies and he needs to get to a radio so he can radio grace to tell her to drive the MRAP up and shoot the guys, kill all the guys that are Shooting or firing zombies with the trebuchet at the tower. Yeah. Having trouble speaking. And so we get this long, I thought, long extended scene of Strand and Morgan and the baby going. Can he bring a baby in that situation? Of course. Well, I mean, the whole point was Strand wanted to keep some leverage, basically. So he's like, bring the baby along because he knows Morgan will do whatever he says if he has the baby. So, that sort of makes sense to me um but they what didn't make sense to me is they have this armory. No other way to get to it other than a broken down elevator shaft, like there isn't a staircase somewhere there
1: isn't well they they mentioned a the staircase, so the elevator shaft was broken because they bombed it, right so they right. uh they threw a zombie bomb at the uh at the building and it took out the elevator shaft. And then, uh, Strand said something about, uh, I think Morgan asked, is there another way down? And Strand said, uh, not unless you want to clear out the, uh, uh, the stairway. So I think the stairway was also full of zombies or something. Uh, I don't know. At this point in the apocalypse, it might feel easier to do that than like go down in a broken down elevator shaft. So let me, let me understand Strand's thinking here. I need Morgan to stay in line. So I'm going to keep the baby. Yeah. And I'm going to go with him. Yep. And I'm dying of poison. And I've been poisoned and I may die at any moment. I don't know. And I'm not feeling very well regardless. Right. Uh, so he doesn't just let Mark Morgan go and do his thing and use the baby as leverage, but he not only wants to use the baby as leverage, but he wants to go along to make sure Morgan does what he's told. Sure. I don't know. Okay. All right. And then hands the baby down because, you know, you're in a deadly situation where everything's on fire. There's zombies everywhere. Fucking nuclear weapons have gone off. Nuclear zombie bombs uh, with uh, n- nuclear spores have been uh, injected into them uh, are being bandied about, uh, uh, causing explosions. How did the zombies explode? To the point where there was fire?
0: Yeah. Anyway. Well, well, that's a good point. question because they had not shot one of the nuclear zombies yet, I don't think, at the building, right? Because they kept threatening to because that would be yeah. really bad. But I, it seemed like because Arno out there, he's like, the next one will be a, a nuke. You know, you have one hour or whatever. And so I don't think they fired any nuclear zombies at the building. So why were they exploding? I don't know. Maybe they had dynamite zombies too.
1: Even dynamite doesn't cause fire. It's concussion, Well, right? yeah. So every time you see dynamite and then you see fire, uh, you know, you should yell bullshit at whatever screen that you're looking at because that's a bunch of horseshit. Okay. What you're looking at is fucking gasoline in milk jugs uh, that is causing that fire. It's not causing, it's not dynamite that does that. Even grenades don't cause fire. No. I could be wrong, but from what I understand, they're concussion. And, you know, dynamite is meant to be concussive. They use dynamite to put out fires. Okay. Uh you know the all those oil rigs that were on fires back in the 90s? Yeah. Uh they used dynamite to put those fucking things out. Weird. They didn't start the fire with dynamite, they put them out with dynamite. So why am I complaining about dynamite? I don't know. But zombies explode like dynamite apparently when you throw them. Well, like, this is How do you how do you time them? Do they have a timer? Do they- you do you like light the fuse and throw the zombie? Like, how does that work? See, this
0: is why I'm I was confused about this whole situation. Like they've they've launched some zombies, they've caused explosions or maybe they're launching something else. But I didn't really understand why this elevator shaft A was destroyed and B was the only way down to the armory. That's a large building. There are multiple staircases in that building, all connecting all the floors. It it's just plot convenience we want to do this elevator scene we want to put the baby in danger you know we we just want to do this find a way to do this dramatic scene dangerous scene that we have in our minds who cares what how how the logic or the reality fits into it we just want to do this so we're going to say that the stairs are filled filled with zombies and this elevator shaft got blown up. And luckily it's only like two floors. Other, It wasn't like 18 floors because that would have been even more asinine. <laughs> right.
1: You remember all this, all those scenes where uh, some detective is trying to solve some mystery and he has the, the board and he puts up all the pictures of the people and yeah. all the newspaper articles. And then you start drawing, you start tying strings to pins yeah. and you're connecting everything. I think they forgot the strings. I think they put together this board of uh, stuff they want to do, and uh, they're like, "Okay, how do we get from uh, this point to this point?" It's like, "No, you're thinking about it too hard. Just fucking film it. It'll be great, believe me." There's a, there's, gonna, you know, there's going to be a an elevator shaft, and there's going to be a zombie stuck in cables, and he's gonna, there's going to be a baby crying, and that always adds tension because people love it when babies cry all the time. Yeah, that's a fantastic idea. I love it. Let's get it on the screen. Let's put it out. This is going to be the best. Let's yeah. go get drunk.
0: <laughs> and we're done, guys. Let's go have a party. Uh yeah. So and and it just felt like it went on forever this scene to me. And then basically what happens is Morgan gets down there. I guess he gets the radio. He radios Grace and she drives up and kills all the stalkers outside off screen. An- another example where I'm like I would have rather seen that, you know, cut this elevator
1: bullshit in half and give us that scene. Oh, that's outside, though. You can't have outside. This is inside. This happened inside. Yeah, this is you know, all You you're mixing, you're saying, okay, do we have a budget for something that happens outside? No, we only have budget for stuff that happens inside in this episode. Right. So it but it better happen inside. And then the other thing, and then, you know, you get
0: this bit where Morgan mentions, we, the MRAP is out there, we scavenged some ammo. Well, guess what? Last week... Was it last week? Yeah, last week they tried to look for some ammo for the thing. They couldn't find any. There was none in that uh-huh. helicopter. But I guess they just found it somewhere else, you know, whatever.
1: Yeah, and they still have the helicopter fuel that magically works in the MRAP. Uh, they have some left, so they're they're fine.
0: Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, where do we go from here? I, I didn't like this one either. I do agree with, uh, I think it was caller Owen off the top who said it was fun to see Wendell again. I didn't think we were ever going to see Wendell again. Um, but, but the problem I had with that is it's revealed that Strand turns Sarah away, which understandably, understandably really upsets Wendell. Does the plot line go anywhere? Nope. He's just like, wait, what? You did what? And then
1: we move on. Yeah, <laughs> and of course. Like, we've think- registered his shock and, uh, consternation. Uh, that's it. What more do you want? Uh, you want it to be a plot point? Well, maybe some. Something to come of it. It seemed to be a
0: pretty big deal when Sarah was standing out there a few episodes ago. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not over. Maybe Wendell's going to stop doing his job and go on strike now and say, uh, I may be really great at supply chain management, whatever that means in this tower, but you didn't let my sister in, so screw you, Mr. Strand. Supply chain management's very important. Well, I know that.
1: If you need something from point A to point B and you need that thing to be there at the right time and just the right amount... Uh, you know, it's, it's very important. I agree. It's very important and the world... This deep- is why the, uh, this is why the U.S. Uh, military is so powerful. It's not because they have bigger guns and better missiles. I mean, that's true and everything uh, a lot of the times. But uh, one of the big things that the U.S. government has that a lot of other militaries or U.S. military has that not a lot of other militaries have is fucking top notch supply chain management. When you need uh, some goddamn MREs or, or ammunition at a particular location, that shit is there and it's waiting for whoever needs it. Yeah, you no, know, it's that, it's that supply chain management. It's key. It's absolutely vital to the success of any kind of operation. All right. So well, the fact that he's good at it is great. And you, you know, you have everybody concentrated in this one spot. So maybe supply chain management isn't the biggest of deals. I mean, now that the elevator's fucked, uh, I don't know what they're going to do. Cause you know, how are we going to get, uh, the stuff from the basement to the top floor I don't know, man, that's going to be, that's going to be tricky. Now his job is harder. It's going to
0: be really tricky. All right. I'll stop badmouthing Wendell and his job because it's an important job. A very important job. I just was happy to see him again, but I feel like he got uh, shafted a little bit in his, you know, reaction to finding out that his sister was turned away by this yeah, guy I who's mean, supposed to be leading them.
1: Even in our day-to-day life, supply chain management is, is, is very important. I was making uh, uh soft taco's for, uh, for, for dinner. And, uh, we got everything to the table and I'm like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. We didn't buy cheese. Yeah. I mean, that's a failure in supply chain management. I had <laughs> everything I needed except for the goddamn cheese. And Jasper asked for, I don't eat cheese anymore, but Jasper asked for cheese. I'm like, sorry, buddy. We don't have any cheese. You know, that's a failure. Uh, as a father, I have failed in the proper dinner supply chain management.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You need to know what you're eating. Family needs for tacos, yeah. and you got uh,
1: to plan it out. And he actually complained because uh, we had uh, we had tacos on a Monday. He's like, "Can we have this on Tuesday so we can have Taco Tuesday?" Yeah. I'm well, like, yeah, next time we can do that. That's for sure. I mean, I see his point. <laughs> no, it's, it's a valid point. And <laughs> it's Monday, uh, what are you doing? I, you know, I felt I failed as a father again. You know, <laughs> again, um, this nice dinner. <laughs> you know, Man. you know, you're absolutely right. We should have had this. Uh, we should have had this tomorrow. Not only, and I would have had cheese if I would have thought about it. That would have given me time to buy cheese. Right. Not only is it the wrong day, but I don't have all the ingredients. So uh we I mean, had it in the right house. That's smart. That's uh, That's pretty important. I mean, we didn't accidentally have dinner <laughs> someplace else.
0: <laughs> so, so I guess you got
1: one thing right. Yeah. Okay. I got that right. All right. Good.
0: Well, Jason, anything else about this episode of fear? I was not so happy with it, but at the same time, it didn't really bother me like last week's did. I I like I said at the beginning. I just sort of felt indifferent towards it and I don't feel like it really moved the plot along all that much other than at the end we got to Alicia and now I assume shit's going to go
1: down, but who knows, man. Well, I don't think that this I've got one other thing to say and one thing that you brought up uh just a second ago. I don't think that the point of this episode was to move the plot along. Like this episode was called The Portrait. Which yeah. I don't think was specifically about the portrait itself. It was a portrait of Strand's character. Yep. Right. It was. Uh, it was meant to inform us of who Strand sees himself as and how other people see him. So it's kind of a, uh, you know, an insight into his character. And one thing that came up that gave me a little bit of insight into his character is that when they started throwing the exploding zombie bombs at the building, uh, he one of the things he said was, get the artifacts away from the windows. So his stuff is very important to him. His costume is very important to him. His bedroom had uh, antique weapons on the walls. It had uh, all these various, even the phone that he had was like fucking 80s fancy phone. Right, right. You just imagine the uh, uh some kind of bigwig in uh, the corporate world having this phone where it has a goddamn lid to it. You open up the lid to answer the phone, and the phone never rang. Like it wasn't working as a proper phone. Like he could pick it up and talk to the uh, talk to the phone on the uh or wherever people were calling in, but that phone never rang. Somebody had to come in and tell him that somebody was on the phone. Right. Which I thought was a little odd because one of the primary design principles of a phone is that when somebody wants to get a hold of you, the goddamn phone rings. Right? That's, that's the whole idea. Yeah. I, you know, it's a big part. <laughs> yeah. You know, somebody doesn't have to come to your house and tell you, it's like, uh, there's somebody on the phone for you, or you need to mail a letter and say, uh, I'm waiting on the phone. Please answer it. (laughs) Please pick it up. (laughs) And then three days later, uh, you get the letter and then they answer the phone. Hello? It's like, yeah, I'm still here. (laughs) How are (laughs) you? Yeah. Good to talk to you finally. (laughs) It's been so long. Uh, So that gave me a little bit of insight into Strand's character that his stuff, even in the zombie, nuclear zombie apocalypse, his, the things he's acquired is very important to him. That is true. I guess that is true. The other thing that came to
0: mind while you were talking about that is that at the beginning, Howard comes in and says, isn't it a little early for scotch and or whatever he's drinking? And uh, Strand says in a thousand years, no one's going to be worried about what time I drank this, which I did think was a pretty good line, but it reinforces what you're saying. He's more worried about the the things around him and what he's accumulated than, uh, you know, anything else. So. I guess it gives a little insight into Strand and why he's the way he is now. I'm just not sure it's all that interesting. And I'm also just not sure how that is really going to play into whatever happens as this season progresses. And by, by that, I just mean basically the next episode, because then we have a right. we have a hi- hiatus to go on. So I don't know. Um, a little bit of insight is good and maybe it'll pay off really well. Maybe, I'll, maybe, maybe I'm totally wrong, you know? Cool. All right. Well, that is uh, Fear the Walking Dead season, whatever, season seven, episode seven, The Portrait. Let us move on into The Walking Dead World Beyond season two, episode nine. This one is called Death and the Dead, and it's essentially a direct continuation of last week's episode, because what else would it be? We've got. The plan by our heroes being executed, trying to escape. And uh, we need to see what happens. But we pick this one up, Jason, and um, we're, we're in the tunnels, as far as I can tell, that we are escaping through. And all the scientists are there and they have these remote controls that they've rigged up to explosives that are on a bunch of zombies that are in the tunnels. And they use them to detonate when uh jada sends her soldiers in there after them yep. to to kill them so basically the opening scene is them like handing out all these these explosive detonators and then they all get to hit their buttons to blow things up and and jada's soldiers all get killed so this is kind of a trick part of the plan where they fool them into going into these tunnels they're not really in there and then they they blow them up yes
1: yeah, so, and it was a very losty and kind of uh, camera move into the tunnel ladder. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. But, Straight down. But bad, but bad, bad CGI, because you could tell it was obviously uh, a CGI tunnel. I don't know if you could tell, but the CGI in this episode was uh, pretty laughable.
0: At times, at times, for sure. The whole thing confused me a little bit, though, because maybe this, and maybe this is just me, but I thought, you know what, they're going to escape. Through these tunnels, but then they do this, and it seems like that they've all just gone back to the facility, right? The scientists were in Lila's test subject room. Somehow they got yeah. there, and um, from there, they, you know, they they get some. Well, they they use Mason to blackmail Jadis into some transport trucks, so they can drive away in them, and that's how they're actually going to get out. And then Dennis and Silas and uh, um, Elton, they go back to the the rock music facility, right, <laughs> where they play loud music to attract the zombies. <laughs> and because Dennis has been shot, right? So they were at the perimeter, yep. but they go back there. And I'm like, yep. I thought the whole plan was to get away. Yet everyone seems like they're sticking around for so
1: long. And well, why? Why? Fuck with a decent location that you've found, right? If, if you get a location, you might as well milk the shit out of it. You know, why go to a different location when you can stay at the same one?
0: Except that the whole point is that they're trying to escape. And in fact, this episode, they're trying to destroy this location too, because later on, uh, as the plan is more revealed to the audience, Elton and Silas are leading a big column, as they call it, of a thousand zombies to overrun the place. So they're not trying to stay there forever they're not trying to live there it's just they aren't quite ready to leave just yet and that caught me by surprise a little bit and at first i thought well look they were gonna get out of here but now everyone's stuck around i guess hmm. i guess that's what they're doing you still have a man crush on that guy
1: oh yeah i still yeah, you like get to that see dude. his abs eh? We how were how you with that
0: oh man i'm telling you he's a fit good looking ripped dude i i like the guy yeah, okay. I like the guy. I just saw that. I'm like, oh, Chris is gonna love that. Yeah, totally did, totally did. Uh, so is he dead? Do you think Dennis is dead?
1: Well, uh, yes, because he died off screen, and you know this happens a couple of times in this episode. Like, I, and I had to. go I actually rewound a couple of times to try and follow the logic of this. I'm like, did I miss that? Why is she upset after leaving the? Why did she leave the building? I went back. I watched it again. And then I was like, no, I must have missed something. I have to go back and watch it again. That didn't make any sense. She was talking to him. She said, what happened? And he told her. Yeah. And the next scene we have, she's leaving the building and is very upset. Yeah. It's, it's I to- guess he's dead. It's toward the end of the episode. That's the thing, right?
0: She goes back. She reunites with him. Huck does. Uh, they have this really nice scene together and they talk for a minute. And then, yeah, cut to she's outside and she's crying. And that's when she comes across all these shipping containers, which we'll talk about. But, uh... I feel like, I feel like Dennis died and we didn't get to see it. Yeah. And I'm bummed out about that.
3: I wouldn't be but surprised
0: I, because I, I do feel like his part of this whole plan is, is finished, you know? Uh, but they but didn't show it. Still, I don't want him to be dead.
1: Well, no, of course not. But they didn't, it was not on the screen. So, uh, it, you know, is he's, he's gotta be dead, right? She wouldn't leave him there and be that upset. Uh, and she, you noticed that she did let her hair down for this scene, whereas before it was up in a nice tight bun. And then as soon as she gets there, it's all down and wavy. Yeah. She, she gets uh, into the the Jeep and her hair's up and when she arrives, it's all down. <laughs> yeah. So she, she went through hair and makeup before she got there, which is, you know, when you're going to see your husband, that's what you do, right? You stop for hair and makeup. You stop at a <laughs> salon and you get your hair done. Why not? It's what I do. Of course. Right? When I haven't seen my wife for a long time and on, I'm on my way home, I stop and, uh, I get my hair did. Yeah.
0: Well, I, I mean, to jump back again, uh, to when they first get back there and Dennis is lying on the couch, uh, Elton has to pull the bullet out of him. Right. So we Uh get that scene, which is kind of tropey at this point. Anytime someone gets shot, we have to see the scene where some other inexperienced character uses something to grossly pull
1: the bullet out and then they stitch it up. Okay. So he, there's no bullet. Okay, so uh, and it, kinda, it is tropey, but where he got shot is a, there's no real bones in there, right? And he got shot with an assault rifle, right? I think so, yeah. That's a through and through. That bullet did not stop inside that guy's body. It is gone. Yeah. It is in the back of a building someplace. Uh, you know, it probably went through a wall and then through a car and then into something else. Uh, but it is not in his belly. It would, it would stop if it hit a bone, but there's nothing in there unless it hit his goddamn spine. And if that happened, it's happened in the middle of him and he ain't going nowhere. Yeah. But, uh, there's no bullet. Okay. Well, there was
0: a bullet and Elton had to pull it out. I'm afraid. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but my favorite part of the scene was they of course bring a bottle of vodka to just to uh, sterilize the area and Elton takes a big swig of it. I thought that was funny,
1: funny. And quite apt. I thought that was probably one of the most realistic things in this whole episode was uh, because that's how they did surgery back in the 1800s, Victoria times. Yeah. Victorian times. They, uh, you know, surgeons were their entire their entire worth was how fast they could do something because there wasn't any anesthetic. If you needed to do surgery on somebody, you got that fucker drunk as humanly possible. Make it quick. And the doctor too, because it was very stressful.
0: Yeah. well, So the n-
1: doctor was definitely taking swigs of whatever the patient was drinking. Oh my God. That's so funny. I, I
0: just thought it was a funny Elton taking a big swig, like the littlest yeah. dude, you know, I don't know. Uh, but- I'm
1: so glad I don't live back then. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I'm so glad we live in the future and it's very nice. It's yeah. In some aspects, some respects. Yes.
0: In some respects. Very true. Uh, listen, this is part of the plan though. So they had to go back so that they could collect. This is where Elton and Silas collected all the zombies, right? For them to lead into the research facility. So smart, smart thinking. This is all part of the plan. Now, Hope and Felix, they go to blow up the gas storage, which we know because Felix found it uh, a few episodes ago. But we discover that the CRM has already moved it, and it's presumably on its way to Portland. So they kind of uh, figure they've failed in this part of the mission. But while they're in there, Hope encounters uh, Zombie Lila has to deal, has to deal with her, ends up crushing her head in the door. So that was kind of fun. Um, But I also thought that as Hope walked in there, she was questioning to herself a little bit of, are we doing the right thing here? You know, we've, we've, we've taken Mason hostage, this and that. We're, you know, they destroyed a lot of people. They killed a lot of people, the CRM, but here we are kind of doing the same thing to this facility. Yes, we're trying to get people out, but are we just as bad as them but then i think when she had to fight lila and she crushed her in that door we got a few flashbacks of you know lila alive and stuff like that and for some reason this solidified it in hope that they were doing the right thing and uh she drops an f-bomb in the show it was
1: awesome oh i didn't even catch that yeah that's wonderful they're allowed to
0: my understanding is they're allowed to use one per Season, not even per episode, really. And so, after she kills Lila with that big freezer door, she says, Fuck this
1: place, and to Felix, oh, and they get out yeah. of there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's it, great. It was good. I really liked it. I really liked it. Um, and one of my favorite parts of this episode, I think one of my absolute favorite, second favorite part of this episode, we'll get to my favorite part a little bit later, uh, is that we've never seen frozen zombies before. Yeah. Uh, we've had uh, zombies on fire. We've had waterlogged zombies. We've even had fucking nuclear zombies flying through the air at this point. Uh, but And we've had tornado zombies. Uh, right. There's all kinds of, we have nuclear or you know, irradiated zombies. We've seen those in previous seasons where they came from the nuclear power plant. Uh, we've had uh, all kinds of zombies. It's the first time we've seen a frozen zombie. And frozen zombies have solid frozen heads. Uh, and uh, and the, you can't stab them as well. Right. right? It's, you can stab him right in the head. It's just like chipping at a block of ice. It's like, shit. I'm going to have to dig at that for a while. How frozen solid zombies can walk? Not really sure. But then he stepped on the head. So I don't think it's frozen solid because if you take a block of ice that is uh, probably nine inches by nine inches by nine inches, it's a big block of ice. and You put it on the ground and you stomp on it with your boot, you're not breaking that block of ice. Not if it's fully frozen. No, you might twist your ankle. <laughs> Yeah, I would probably have to go to the hospital shortly after trying to crush. I wouldn't even try. I have bad ankles, I have bad knees, I have bad sense of balance at this point, and I have a history of uh, falling down and whacking my head on things. Right. So I probably wouldn't even attempt it. But if I were to, uh, it would not crumble into a million pieces based on the pressure that I could exert on that block of ice. Nah. But then what's his name smashes that zombie's frozen zombie's head with his boot. Uh, and, uh, I guess it was not frozen solid. It was just kind of a
0: frozen shell. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the zombies were mobile, so they weren't frozen solid. It was harder than usual, let's say, cause he tries to stab it and it didn't work. And he's like, oh my God, their heads aren't fully thawed. I think he says, Felix says, right. so get it on
1: the ground and he stomps it and it was okay. I mean, yeah. it's like trying to, uh, you know, carve a frozen turkey. Right. It's Thanksgiving. I <laughs> yeah. had a, I had a, I took a turkey out of the freezer for Thanksgiving and having to deal with it. It's just, it's a giant block of ice that does not heed to any kind of manipulation unless you it under underwater for quite some time. Yep. And yeah. Even then you can just get the plastic off the, cut, the covering off it. I buy frozen turkeys all the time.
0: Yeah, Love them. I know. We talked about it at Canadian Thanksgiving. At Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, anyways, I enjoyed this scene. I appreciated uh, Hope sort of coming over and, and, saying the F word. So that was pretty good. Uh, meanwhile, Silas and Elton go into the research facility because they need to find antibiotics for Dennis, right? That's why they're there as far as I understand. Yep. And, um, you know, they, they encounter, well, Silas anyways, encounters one of the guys who he used to work with this guy, Webb and, Webb has him at gunpoint and is threatening to kill him.
1: And Elton sneaks up behind him and clobbers the guy. So that's seems okay. Yeah. Well, I ever- hit him with a shovel and I, once again, head injury in the show, hitting someone in the head is not an off button. But, yeah. Well, we'll just move on. Yeah. This, yeah. It, it, it was an off button. Didn't kill him. But it knocked him out and he said, he'll be out for a while. Yeah, that's like, right. Well, he'll be out for a while isn't just like, a hey, he'll get up and everything will be fine. He's got fucking brain damage now, dude. Or if you knocked him unconscious and he's going to be unconscious for a couple of hours, that guy's in done. Like, it's, he's in serious, he needs medical attention now, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. The funny thing is he didn't say he'll be out for for a while, but the line he did say is actually really funny. And it was one of my i don't know i don't know favorite but i really enjoyed this bit because he clobbers him and he goes Who is that guy <laughs> it's just it's like you you sneak up behind a guy hit him with a shovel that hard no idea who he is just gonna do it now i know he was threatening silas but i thought and it was. he has been
1: drinking don't uh oh yeah you know, he was drinking some vodka there <laughs>
0: that's right so. that's right i just thought it was funny though who's that guy <laughs> and then they just move on you know yeah um Anyways, the whole point of this whole thing was that they end up getting stuck in there because all the zombies are starting to arrive at the place. And so what do they do, Jason? They jump in the big globe statue and they roll it down the
1: hill to escape. Yeah. Has the internet started calling this the Death Star yet? Because that's exactly what it was. It was uh, they were using it to destroy uh, zombies left, right and center.
0: I don't know if the internet has started calling it the Death Star or... Um, but my problem with it is it, it touches on fear the walking dead stupidity territory a little bit. Oh, it's horrible.
1: The CGI was bad. They were going too fast. There's no way they'd be able to keep up with the speed that that thing was, uh, from inside there without being, you know, wrapped around the inside. Yep. Uh, it, whatever it touched was instantly Destroyed, uh, and was completely capable of rolling and uh, not falling
0: apart. For me, yeah, it's not the CGI that bothered me because I didn't think it looked bad rolling down the hill. It's the plausibility of it. And fine, there are zombies. I've accepted that. I've accepted a lot of things, but this is this is *Fear the Walking Dead* dumb. Like, they're you're right. they they'd never be able to stand up in this thing uh they'd never be able to control it it would be completely out of control the two of them would be in there flopping around smacking into each other probably getting hurt uh and then it just slowly rolls to a stop with the hatch that just pops open and they hop out of it like i was thinking about how could they have done this scene and not made it so silly and i thought you know what if they just rolled it down the hill and used it as a like a weapon to clear a path and they ran behind it i would have been more okay with that because they're not inside the thing they're using something to facilitate their escape by killing zombies with it and clearing a path they could have put more zombies around and it carved a big path through them right because that thing hitting a human body it's not going to stop it's going to knock you down and keep going so That felt like it would have been more plausible to me. I don't know why they felt they had to put these two guys inside of it and have them like run along with it because it just stretches reality too much.
1: Yeah. (laughs) You know, that makes, that makes a whole lot more sense. So
0: I didn't like that bit. This was my least favorite part of this episode um, because it reminded me of this other show that uh, I think I don't like very much anymore.
3: Well, there you go. (laughs) Yeah.
0: All right. Really, the rest of this episode was the sort of escape attempt by Felix, Hope, Iris, Percy, and Mason Beale. And so what they do is that they are going to walk out of the facility and they've got Mason as this hostage. And what they want to do is get into some CRM vehicles and basically drive them away. But of course, Jadis, along with Huck still, intercepts them and before they go they have a long conversation about trust (laughs) pretty much (laughs) um the first thing here i i i thought this scene was was okay but i thought it got off to a little bit of a shaky start because i didn't understand why when they're standing within reasonably comfortable talking distance of each other they did like half the conversation on a walkie-talkie and half the conversation just yelling at each other
1: well, we've had walkie talkies that have unlimited range. So let's have some walkie talkies that, uh, make sense, uh, in the range department. And when you have line of sight of, uh, you know, 20 or so feet, walkie talkies work just fine. So why not include that? You, but why? You don't
0: need them. You, you can clearly speak to each other. She yells, she says, open up this channel. And then, you know, Iris yells back at her at some point for killing all these people. It's like, why not just talk? I don't, I don't understand why they needed walkie talkies in this scene.
1: Um, and so that they could have, they could better emote their positions. Whereas if, uh, even at a, a little bit of a distance, uh, outside, you're going to have to yell a little bit, or at least, you know, focus on projecting what you're going to say. And sometimes it's hard to properly emote your, uh, uh, what you want to get across Uh, Under those circumstances.
0: Is it too much zombie noise, too much background zombie noise, and they think they're going to get drowned out?
1: There's trees. uh, All right. There's, you know, traffic and cars and trains and planes and stuff going by.
0: (laughs) I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Maybe all those trucks were on and the engine noise was a little too much. I don't know.
1: Maybe turn the, maybe turn the trucks off. I don't
0: know. Yeah. Anyways, I can get past that because the conversation before the firefight breaks out is, Kind of interesting because Jadis reveals essentially what the CRM has been trying to do this whole time. She said that they used modeling, quote unquote, modeling, to determine that the other colonies were becoming a drain on resources and would never become fully self sustaining. So they were going to face famine of devastating proportions, she says, and they were always just going to be a total drain on the CR. So the CR's solution to that was to, instead of try to help them, was to just wipe them out. And they felt that this would give humanity some sort of chance to survive because there wouldn't be this drain on limited resources and things like that. And they, Jada says they felt like this was a, a merciful option for them. In yeah. so for, be, not for them, for everybody else it was a merciful option, but
1: for them it is going to not.
0: Well, it was sparing them the famine and sparing them all the the death and
1: dying and destruction of of not having enough food and resources and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's the same reasoning that a family annihilators used uh, when they kill their kids and their wife and their yeah, yeah, usually men. It's usually men, sorry, but it is. Uh, yeah. yeah, of course. So it, you know, I don't want to put them through the, uh, the hardship of me losing my job, uh, and having all these great debts that, uh, that we now have to pay that I don't have any way of, uh, of repaying. Sure. So I- I'm going to make it easier on them. It's a mercy. I'm just going to murder them, murder my whole family. Right. It's like, f- fuck you. Like stupid idiot. Uh, you know, people recover from shit. It's the Thanos issue that, you know, we were worried about this. This would be a, a Thanos problem. It's like, uh, we don't have enough resources. So we have to murder half the people in order to make sure that we have enough resources.
0: Yeah. The CRM took the Thanos approach here essentially is what they did. And they think they're doing all these people a favor. Now she does say that they extracted 10,000 children. So they saved all the kids before they, uh, murdered everybody else. I don't know how that would have been possible, frankly. Like, how do you, I guess you just go around killing, well, with or even with a gas. Like, how do you avoid killing the children? You you don't.
1: No, you'd have to, you'd you'd have to take, everybody would have to be aware of what's going on because it's like, why are you taking my kid? I don't think that that's a great, and then you get a bullet in the head. Right. And then all of a sudden that kind of information spreads pretty quickly. Right. Because bullets are loud. When they come out of guns, yes, exactly. So I don't understand that, but she says it, and so we can all
0: feel a little bit better that they didn't kill children, I guess. Um, but overall, and smart
1: people, yeah. They they also yeah, took yeah. all the smart people, so they uh, they save the baby, the kids, and the smart people, sure, because that's the right thing to do. Uh, you know, it's 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 uh, yeah. It doesn't make any sense logically. It doesn't make any sense. More people means more work means more productivity. Mm-hmm. It's not the other way around. It's not, uh, more people means more drain means less for everybody else. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't work that way. No,
0: no, but this is the explanation we're given. And, uh, you know, whether it works or not, like you can, I mean, you maybe chalk it up to this was the wrong decision by the CRM. This was not the appropriate response and they're just an evil bunch that can't handle the fact that there are other civilizations out there i don't know it also makes me wonder though if indeed these other groups had these issues they were going to run out of supplies how has the civic republic itself become so successful and are and is able to avoid all of these problems right like why can they do it and nobody else can i i don't really have an answer for that either
1: uh, maybe they have more of an agrarian society, uh, you know, instead of being holed up in a, uh, uh, a university town, they're actually out farming fields and shit. Yeah. They're actually doing stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Doing <laughs> stuff instead of, uh, you know, living high on the hog. Yeah.
0: Well, I, no indication that these other groups were living high on the hog, but maybe they were. Anyways, all that aside, it was nice to get the sort of once and for all explanation for why the CRM was doing this and, and sort of what their reasoning was, whether it's makes sense or not. This is the answer we got. Yep. Now, when they are having this conversation, the zombies are gathering around them, of course, and eventually they get a little too close. People start shooting. Mason manages to escape or at least run away a little bit. And in the, uh, in the may yeah. in the mayhem, Percy is killed.
1: Off screen? Yeah, but he's pretty dead. I mean, he's shot in the head. Well, he's got it. Well, no, I'm not saying he's alive or yeah, yeah, by yeah. any reason, but we did not see him get shot. And again, I had to go back. I watched this like three or four times mm-hmm. going, did I see him die? How did he know? They just, there just was shots going by. They cut away, uh, you know, to people firing bullets. And I guess it was supposed to be a mystery and, and a surprise, but it just added to confusion. A little didn't make bit makes sense. A little I bit. didn't see him die. No, I mean, do you need to though?
0: Like he, there, there was a, a gunfight occurring, and he was running through the middle of it, and he
1: took a bullet to the head. Like it was pretty definitive. I'll give you that. Yeah. Like For sure, he was. He's dead, 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 because he's got a bullet hole in the back of his head, and that's usually a sign that somebody has passed away. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. So, <laughs> but it was just it didn't uh, the shot or the impact of that bullet did not take place on screen, nor was it immediately apparent. Like we didn't even see him fall. No. He was just running and then they cut away to uh, soldiers shooting.
0: Yeah. And then then Iris notices that he's down, right? That's when we discover at the same time she does. The thing about this gunfight though, for me, is the CRM... Stormtroopers, let's call them, uh, because they remind me of stormtroopers. They don't seem to be able to hit anything. Yet Huck and Felix make perfect shots every time. We see both Huck and Felix make absolute perfect, dis- like ranged shots. And they they hit soldiers every time. Yet these other soldiers, maybe one of them shot uh, Percy, as you said. We don't really know. But it doesn't seem like they can hit everything. And for me, I started thinking back to the shootout at the perimeter. And that one, I think I talked about how much I I enjoyed it. It felt chaotic. It felt dangerous. This one here with all these characters, I didn't really feel like anyone was ever in real danger for some reason. Like people are shooting guns at each other and I wasn't worried that someone was going to get hit for some reason. So for some reason, they staged that other one really well. And this one just didn't work as well for me. And. I don't know if I can put my finger on why, but maybe it's because in the other one, we did see some of the good guys get hit and here we didn't, you know, except for one. Well, we didn't see Percy get hit. He just died. Well, that's
1: true, but we know that it happened. We
0: know that it happened, I guess, but I don't know. It just, this one didn't work as well for me. Um, and the outcome is that Percy's dead Oh, and of course, the other important thing that happened is Huck finally turned on Jadis. Like she revealed yes. her true, uh, what do you call allegiance? it? A- allegiance. Yeah. And put a gun
1: yeah. on Jadis. But didn't shoot her. I mean, for crying out loud, man, she's going to hunt you down to the ends of the earth. She has the, uh, the capabilities, the drive and the means to, uh, to make your life miserable going forward. Oh yeah. Put a bullet in her head. What the fuck is the matter with you? It reminds me a little bit of of Morgan last
0: week when he has the gun pointed directly at those CRM soldiers and he does not take the shot when that's basically their whole goal in that episode. I, I wouldn't say Huck's entire goal here is to kill Jadis, but she certainly had the chance and it certainly would have been to their benefit, right? In terms of escaping and getting away and all that sort of stuff. So no, she doesn't do it because Jadis has to live. She's got plot armor for now. Um, and yeah, that's that. So I don't know. Yeah. Ultimately though, everybody escapes. So Felix and Hope and Iris get away. Uh, Huck gets away separately in her own vehicle and Jadis is left there with dead Percy and Mason. Mm -hmm. So they got away, but they gave up their, their bargaining chip, right? They left Mason there. They no longer have him. They can no longer use him as leverage for whatever they're trying to do, which I thought was interesting. I mean, it takes away that, uh, that ability of our, our main characters. And I kind of assumed Mason would, would come with them till the end, but no, he's back with Jadis now. Yep. So there you go. Uh, any other thoughts on the, the big shootout there, Jason? I thought you might have some other stuff to say about it. I don't know.
1: Not really. I mean, it was just a, uh, it was a weird melee, but uh, they, they, I guess they got through it because, you know, the good guys have plot armor, and well, so does Jadis, I guess. Yeah. So uh, it was kind of meaningless overall. I didn't really... Uh, Yeah, it didn't mean anything to me. They had to get out, right?
0: And there had to be some sort of uh, roadblock to them getting out. They couldn't just walk out of that place. Once I realized that, well, we're not escaping through the tunnels, so now they have this other plan. Um, They just needed this to go through. And I guess we needed our characters to come face to face with Jadis too, right? Like, she's, she's the main roadblock to them leaving she's the main sort of faced villain at this point because we have still haven't seen Beale uh and so we needed this showdown between the two of them it happened it was sort of inconsequential uh Percy is dead and everybody went on their merry way
1: that's kind of how I saw it really did you uh is there any part of you that thought that uh Major General Beale was uh Rick Grimes
0: well, th- we, you and I, I mentioned this a couple of podcasts ago that that was, oh, okay. that is a theory on the internet that maybe he is Rick Grimes. Uh,
1: but I, I'd be kind of surprised. I don't think so. No. I, I, Cause it doesn't make any sense for Rick to go that direction. He'd want to get back to, uh, Judas and Carl, not Carl, but, uh. Michonne. What's your name? Michonne. Everybody. Uh, so he, he'd want to get back. He wouldn't adopt another son because that son is too old to be his. Uh, so he, you know, I don't think that it's Rick. And we heard his voice this time too, which definitely isn't Rick, right? We heard his voice? Well, Jadis think... has a, has a radio
0: conversation with him, but she's wearing an earpiece and we only hear one side of that conversation.
1: I thought we heard a little bit of his voice.
0: Well, maybe like little whispers coming through, but not enough to give us any indication of who he is. I don't think it's Rick. I'd be, if, if it is for some reason, I think that, uh, they would have to really stretch to explain what he's doing there and why he's doing this job maybe it's possible maybe there's something that i just haven't thought of but uh i don't
1: know we will see uh, maybe he had a brain transplant <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it is uh it is andrew lincoln but it's a different brain that he has uh so that it's a different character maybe maybe the
0: brain transplant plant the old brain transplant trick again
1: that's right. We had, uh, we had somebody, uh, we had an elevator shaft, which is, uh, in, in fear of the walking dead, which is a trope in, um, in bad, uh, soap operas. soap operas People fall down. Now, them. We, yeah. now we have, I don't know if any, has anybody ever had a brain transplant in a soap opera or is that just a trope that they make fun of soap operas about? It's so ridiculous that, uh, what? they just make fun of it. You know what? I think.
0: Uh, you know, I, I referenced Friends earlier in this episode. I think maybe Joey, when he was on that doctor show on Friends, I think maybe his character had a brain transplant.
2: No,
1: that's that's absolutely true. And that's, that's where I'm getting it from. Okay. It was, uh, yeah, he had, a, he had, he uh, was a brain transplant with um, a female character who was Susan Sarandon's character. Uh, he had Susan Sarandon's because she was on the show for a while, but then they killed her off uh, and Joey okay. had her brain put into his body. Right or maybe the other way around. I forget. Yeah. Uh Dr. Drake Ramore. Yep. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah. So yeah, well that's why I'm wondering is it is it is it just is my entire you know thought process on brain transplant in soap operas based on friends or has it ever actually happened in a soap opera? I don't know. Soap opera
0: fans, let us know. I have no idea. It Could be totally friends based. Yeah. Could be Anyways, listen, I've got one more thing I just wanted to say about this episode. And uh, we already kind of touched on it because Huck, of course, reunites with Dennis before he apparently dies. And I thought that was really nice. But at the same time, we see Silas and Elton reuniting with Hope and Iris for the first time pretty much all season, I think. And they have this big group hug. It's a real emotional thing. It's 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 been a long time since we've seen the OG team together yeah on this show so they finally all come back together and i i thought that was really nice but it was kind of tempered by the fact that they've already discovered that all the gas is gone and so they think that the crm has kind of won because they think that the gas is on its way to portland to be used to kill all these people and they feel like they've failed but then just before the episode ends, uh, you know, I mentioned these shipping containers before Huck goes out. She's all upset, but she finds all the gas in these shipping containers. So it hasn't left for Portland yet. And I guess everybody realizes they still have a chance. Yeah. And that's what the final episode, oh, which is now shot, available, going to be on, which is uh. already available on AMC Plus, is going to be about them being able to stop this from happening somehow and we'll be talking about that next week
1: cuz that's what you do with shipping containers full of deadly gas is you you leave them lying about unguarded
0: of course of course that's a thing right this is the crm they're supposed to be this powerful military but d- jason does it ever feel to you like there's anybody around like Jadis shows up at this this fire uh, this gunfight on the road there she's got like what two soldiers with her <laughs> where is well, every other guys around where's and- everybody else you'd think there'd be like, hundreds of them around this place the the premise is they're supposed to be dealing with all these zombies that are coming in, right? But even before the zombies got there, it didn't feel like this place was very well populated or very muchly populated.
1: I don't know. But I don't anyways, know where everybody is. That's yeah, just
0: a side. I've been feeling like that the whole time, and I've just been doing my best to ignore it because, I don't know, maybe they just couldn't get <laughs> couldn't get enough people on set or something like that, or they had to film this during COVID restrictions or something like that. I don't know, but it doesn't feel like there's very many people around anyways. That's right. why the shipping containers are left unguarded because there's just not enough soldiers and they're all fighting the zombies that came in.
1: There you go.
0: There you go. All righty. So I don't think this episode was as good as last week's, but it was all right. And it was definitely, you know, a better episode of this show than fear has been doing lately. So good on world beyond. I am. i Muchly looking forward to the series finale this week. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stop myself from watching it right away because I'm I'm curious. I want to get to it, but
1: well, you'll you'll have to watch it again next week, or not next week, but on the weekend. I will for sure.
0: Yeah, I can I can I do watch them all twice and stuff like that. So, but I'm just looking forward to getting to it. Uh, and I want to make note not only to you, Jason, but to everybody out there, just in case. You are the type of person who credits roll and you hit the stop button and turn your TV off and go make a sandwich. There is apparently an extended, like five minute long post-credits scene on the season finale. So don't miss that.
1: What's the point? Like, what? What? I I don't know. Five minutes after the credits? Like, why? why, do, Do they want people to not watch it by accident? No, here's the thing. I
0: don't know anything about it. I don't know anything about what the content of, of it is. As I say this, there are people who have seen it because it's available on AMC+. Plus. And by the time everyone listens to this, lots of you may have already seen it. But as of right now, I don't watch ahead because I don't want my viewing of an upcoming episode to uh, affect my sort of discussion about the one we're talking about. So I haven't yep. seen it yet. My understanding, though, is it is something that will tie this show a little bit more into the greater walking dead universe. So what I believe they're going for is finish off world beyond as a self-contained story, pre-credits finish this story and then tease us with something else that is related to this show but also related to the greater story. So this is going to be if anywhere where we see Rick Grimes, and right. if we don't see Rick Grimes, this is going to be something that ties this show into fear or into the Walking Dead main show or Michonne, whatever. Think Michonne or, is going to show up, or maybe Michonne. Who who the hell knows? I don't know. Um, but that's why they do it. They separate it a little bit so that um, it it so no one can accuse them of World Beyond being all about you know other shows world beyond's got to stand on its own and when it's done we get this little teaser
1: or or maybe judith will show up as an adult and then it really fucks shit up right uh that would be weird but that would be uh a flash forward
0: because this is taking place at the same roughly the same time the main show is right now so judith is the age she is
1: yeah, but how do we know that? Do we know that?
0: Yeah, we know that. This is like 10, 11 years into the apocalypse and the main show is running at the same time frame. Fear Who told you that. Fear is six years behind. Fear is still running before the six-year time jump on the main show. So that's where the two the three shows position themselves.
1: <sighs> Fucking time travel.
0: Yeah, the time travel is hard to keep up with. But trust me, that's where we're at. So if All so right. if Judith shows up, uh, and we're in the same time frame she will be the age she is now. So if she's an adult, <laughs> it'll be 10 20 years ahead. Yeah. That, that would be something. Maybe Carl will show up. Well, that then, would that would mess your mind. That would mess it up. Then we're going backwards. Anyways, I'm looking forward to watching that and that will be what we're talking about next week on this very podcast, the series finale of The Walking Dead World Beyond and the mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, and let's hope both of them knock it out of the park. Jason, I'm gonna yeah. choose to stay optimistic. Which Good luck. Is sometimes hard. Alrighty, uh, thank you for tuning in, everyone. Before we go, I do want to uh, give a shout out and thank you to someone who's be- recently become a new patron of ours at patreoncom slash dead and that would be Lucy R. Thank you so much, Lucy, for supporting the show and um, and creating a small monthly pledge to do that it uh really means a lot to us everyone who's become a patron and of course everyone who who has contributed in any way over the years very very appreciative of all of that and thank you so much all right uh yeah exciting stuff we got the finales coming up next week but before then if you want to get in touch with us You can do that through the usual channels, which are visiting the website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail at the top and recording a message. You can also find us on Twitter at Talking Dead, or you can send your emails to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. Send us thoughts on the finales, predictions if you haven't seen them yet, um, or just comments on this episode or uh, anything else Walking Dead related. We love to hear from everybody. And that uh, screenshot I mentioned of the guy wearing the Chandler clothes in fear—I'll yeah. throw that up on Twitter later. I think. Uh, nice. I'm allowed to tweet screenshots of the show, right? I mean, that's that's fair not, use.
1: I'm commenting on
0: it, right? I am commenting on it. Yeah, that is fair use. All right, fair enough. I think uh, I think that's okay uh, because I think it was ridiculous, and I want to point out the ridiculousness and see if anyone agrees. Anyways, there you go. That's, There's your defense. That's it. That's right. All right. That's it for this week, everyone. Until next time, my name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Bye.